Well, good morning. We're in week number two of this series. This series was something that I heard. It was so meaningful to me. And I'm just going to be honest. It kicked some booty in my life. It was tough. And it was just so impactful that I just felt like God was saying, we need to pause our teaching schedule and we need to insert this. This is something we've learned from one of our mentors, Andy Stanley. And we're just doing our best because it was so meaningful to us to present it to you as accurately as possible. Let me catch you up. If you weren't with us last week, let me tell you what we talked about last week. Last week we discovered this, that you and I, we were created to take responsibility in our lives. We were created for responsibility. Before any rules were given by God, before he gave us any commandments, before he gave us any laws or any rules to follow, He gave us a lot of responsibility, and you have in your very DNA this I must, I should take responsibility for my life that is placed within you. Now, we know this, we talked about it last week, that in your life you are the happiest when you are taking responsibility for things, and the contrary is also true, you are the most unhappy when you are pushing responsibility aside or blaming others or, put, or, or just being plain old irresponsible. We are at our least happy. And this is true in any relationship you have. It's true in your marriage. It's true at work. It's true at home. It's true even in our nation We are built for responsibility. When we take it, we're happy. When we're not, we're at our most unhappy. Uh, And you know what is true also in our families at work, at home, in our nation? We need the least amount of rules in our life and relationships when we are being responsible. Rules were created for the times we're irresponsible. That's why God, in this beginning, he only gave them one single rule. That's it. And he gave them loads of responsibility. We talked about that last week. Now, this is a big truth that we learned last week. Your irresponsibility, this applies to me as well, my irresponsibility, your irresponsibility, my irresponsibility eventually becomes someone else's responsibility. Irresponsibility always eventually impacts the people in your life, the people who are connected with you. The people connected to the irresponsible person, they are always connected. It's not a solo thing. It's true in your marriage, true in your relationships, true in your family. It's true at work. It's true in our nation. Every irresponsible person impacts the people around them. It's not just their own life. So that brings us to today. Now, let's begin our conversation with this. Every single day in your life, you utilize some physical laws that are just here. In the winter, you get in your duck boat and you push out into the canal and you move into the flooded timber and your boat floats. Hopefully. Hopefully. It flows. And now, in the summer and in the spring, you get into your fishing boat, and you push out into the river, into the lake, and your boat floats pretty much every single 
time, if you remember to put the plug in. Right. It's going to float. Now, that happens all the time. This is a principle that's just there. God kind of created this principle, and he just kind of made that happen, and that's just the way it is. But there was a guy who discovered the math behind this principle. He didn't create the principle, just kind of discovered the math behind it. His name was Archimedes, so they named this principle of flotation to him, and it's Archimedes' principle. Now, here's... He didn't, he didn't invent it. He just kind of discovered it, figured it out with math, and he gave that to everybody. And here's what that principle basically says is this. Any floating object, any floating object displaces its own weight of fluid. That's what makes it float. He kind of discovered how that works, put some math to it, presented it to the world. Now, things had been for centuries before Archimedes. Things had been floating and things had been sinking for centuries. He didn't create this. He just discovered it, put the math behind it, and said, see, this is a reality. Every single time, if you utilize this principle, then your duck boat is going to float every single time. If you just do the math and build your boat according to this principle, it will float every single time. You don't even have to believe in God who created this principle. You don't have to believe in him. Your boat will still float if you apply this principle to it. It's still going to float every single time. It works every single time. No one believes that God is in heaven, and every time a boat pushes out into the water, God is saying, that one's going to float. Uh-uh-uh, yours is going to sink. That one's going to float. That one's going to sink. That one's going to sink, 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 float. He's not deciding that. He just created the principle. If you utilize it, your boat's going to float. If you ignore it, your boat's going to sink every single time. That's because God created this physical law. If you follow it, you float. If we ignore it, we sink every time. He doesn't pick and choose. It just, that's the way it is. You don't have to believe in it, and it's still going to work every time. Um, God created this law. Uh, now, there are plenty of atheists who don't believe in God at all, and when they build a boat according to these principles, guess what? It floats. Doesn't have, they don't have to. It just doesn't matter every single time. Now, today we're talking about a different kind of principle. It's different. It's a principle that we don't think about all the time. We just really, honestly, we just kind of ignore it. It's in the background and it's functioning, but we ignore it. So just like Archimedes' principle is functioning all the time, we don't have to pay attention to it or recognize it or acknowledge it or even believe in it. It still functions. This law still functions just like that, whether we pay attention to it, ignore it, believe it, doesn't matter. It, it's functioning in the background all the time. So we have the possibility we can leverage it or not. Uh, if you're a Christ follower, it applies to you. If you don't believe in Christ at all, it still applies to you. Um, it doesn't matter. It's functioning all the time, everywhere, for everyone. Now, I know you have heard of this principle before, but we ignore it. We just flat out ignore it because here's the deal. It doesn't have a, an immediate response. Like Archimedes' principle is immediate. If you don't follow his, his, uh, his math when you build a boat, then it's going to sink. 
But if your boat design fits within his principle, it's going to float. Immediately, it will float. And if you ignore it, immediately, it will sink. Now, this principle is not immediate like that. And when you sink in your boat, it gets your attention pretty fast, right? Well, this is not immediate. And so it doesn't get our attention because it's not immediate. But it is just as sure as the Archimedes principle. It functions and it works. Here's what we have a tendency to do, though. Because it's not immediate, we have this tendency to think, oh, I must have gotten away with this. I mean, I ignored ignored it, and I got away with it. Look, things are going great. I got away with this. And that's why this principle is so scary, because just as true as every law in physics always functions, so does this spiritual law every time. It just so happens that this isn't a physical law. It's a spiritual law. Here is the law. People harvest what they plant. People harvest what they plant. You've heard of that before, I know. But it's just as true as every physical law that we have. Now the reason irresponsibility eventually catches up with you, it's this law at work. That's why. But this principle isn't good, and this principle isn't bad. It it just is. Just like the physical laws, they just are. And we can leverage this law for us to have good things in our life, or we can ignore it, and it will every time work against us. It just is. It's not good or bad. It just is every single time. Now, this is amazing. It's not God being angry with you. In fact, God loves us so much, he gives us advance notice that this law is functioning. And he allows us to leverage this law for our benefit, or he, it can act as a warning for us. Him warning us, if we ignore it, we bring the consequences to ourselves. And it's not God in heaven going, I'm going to bless this one, I'm going to bless this one, but this one, oh, this one I'm not going to bless at all. They're going to have a tough time. Bless, bless, no. Bless, no, 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 no. It's not God picking and choosing. That's important for us to understand. No, we get to decide this for ourselves. It is in your hands, and God just allows this principle to function every time. So, Donnie, kind of let's go to the Word and kind of find so, out how yeah, this what works. Is, what does the Bible have to say about this? So about 35 years after Jesus uh, died on the cross, rose from the dead, went to be with the Father in heaven, um, the Apostle Paul, which wrote about half of the New Testament, he writes this section of Scripture we're going to look at this morning. And in this section, he explains acting irresponsible and um, responsible. And we're kind of going to jump into the, the middle of this discussion, but what he says before leading up to what we're going to look at this morning, um, what he says is if someone acts irresponsibly, um, you who are responsible should lovingly um, get them back on the right path, and the path of responsible living. 
But, he says, but be, be careful you two don't become irresponsible yourself in the process. So if we're going to be in Galatians chapter 6, kind of the end of, towards the end of this letter that he's writing here. And we're going to start in verse 3, and the verse is going to be on the screen. So he says, if you think you are too important to help someone. Um, Paul's saying, if you think you are better than others... If you think that you're all that and you're all important um, and you think, you know, I, I don't look like them or I don't act like I don't do the things they do, you know, I'm not as bad as them. He says, if you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important, he says. You're, you're deceiving yourself, fooling yourself into thinking that you're really important when, when in essence, you sin too. Mm-hmm. And, and there's this temptation to look at other people's lives that, that may sin differently than we do and, and think that we're better. And when we do that, something can, can creep into our life um, because we, we are still sinning even though we're not trying. Something can still creep into our life and it's this, this false sense of holiness because we're not paying attention to ourselves. We're looking at their life. Verse 4, he continues. He says, Pay careful attention to your own work. In other words, look at, look at your own life. Look at your own decision, your own actions. Don't compare yourselves to the people around you. Because when we do, Harley, when we do, it's, it's lose lose, it's never win. Because a few different things happen. If you feel that you're better than the person you're comparing yourself to, you uh, kind of cut yourself some slack. Um, and you say, well, at least I don't do that. You know, I, I know I, I may have a little, some little problems, but I don't do what they do. And if you, if you don't measure up to the person you're comparing yourself to, then, then we start to make excuses. And we say, yeah, but, you know, they had a lot easier than me. If, if I had been born into that family, if I had been them in their shoes, you know, it, it was a lot easier for them. Comparison makes you fool yourself, no matter what. Uh, no matter which end of the comparison you end up on. But he says, pay careful attention to the work, to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. See, as long as I'm comparing myself to others, there, there won't be a lot of satisfaction because I'll always look at what someone else is doing and, and make those excuses. But when I start to compare myself to me, I start to look at myself, then I'll start to make some progress. Verse 5, where he continues, he says, For each one should carry his own load. Carry his own load. Take responsibility for me. And everyone has responsibility. You have responsibility in your life. I have responsibility. Hardly has responsibility. And we should take those very seriously. Whether our responsibility to our spouse or the responsibility we have in any other relationship, well, the responsibility you have to your family as a father or a mother or even the responsibility you have to your family as a child. 
or, or the responsibility we have financially. He says, carry your own load. Don't, don't focus on what someone else is carrying and how easy it seems looking in from the outside. He says, worry about you. Carry your own load. Manage your responsibility. Then in verse 7, Harley, it kind of seems like he kind of change, almost changes the subject, but he's not. He's actually talking about the same thing. He's just kind of talking about the consequence here of it a little bit. He said, in verse 7, he says, don't be misled. Or, or don't be deceived. You cannot mock the justice of God. So what Paul is saying, you're not going to outsmart God. You're not going to outwit or outplay God. And God's not playing some game with you. He's not gullible like maybe a parent can be or a teacher can be at times. Because as a child, um, if your parent is willing to pick up the slack, you can you can be irresponsible at times. But, but God's giving us a warning here and saying, you're never going to outsmart me. Uh, you're not going to outplay me. And you know, our, our religious systems, they don't fool God either. Um, we think maybe that we've found a secret passage that's going to get us out of this irresponsibility. And maybe for you, it's this passage. Maybe you've heard this passage. It's a great passage. Absolutely great passage. It's a lot of truth. But we can twist this too. It's, and the verse is, if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive you of all, or to, faithful and just to cleanse you of your sins and forgive you of all unrighteousness. And, and then someone tells you that this, um, that, that it means that God somehow forgets that you sinned at all. And he has this mental lapse and he can't even recall, recall that you ever sinned. Which means, you know, it means that I can do whatever I want then, right? Because God has no recollection of it. Yes! <laughs> oh, no. And this is an absolutely great system, though. There's only one thing wrong with it. It's not true. It's bad theology. Bad theology. And he says, don't fool yourselves. Don't be deceived. Don't attempt to mock God. And maybe your system was different. Maybe um, you lived however you wanted, irresponsibly doing whatever you wanted, and then you sat in a confessional and you had it all taken away. But Paul says here, you're not, he says, come on, guys, you're not, you're not pulling anything over on God. Um, God's not dumb, he says. He, he, he doesn't have some kind of sin, amnesia. He's not gullible. If you don't carry your own load, eventually it'll, it'll catch up with you. You know, does God forgive sin? Absolutely. Yes, yes. Does he, does he deal with our sin? Yes, yeah. Um, but I think sometimes we play this, this game where we, we think we can empty our sin bucket on, on Sunday and go fill it up the rest of the week and the weekend and come back and empty it again. And Paul's like, hey, guys, don't. You're, you're not deceiving God. You're only deceiving yourself. Don't deceive yourself. God. He, he, God can't be used like that. Yeah. Yeah, we can't play God. Um, we can't trick him. And so he says, don't fool yourselves. Don't deceive yourselves. God can't be mocked. And then he presents this law. And here it is. 
you will always harvest what you plant. He presents it as a principle. It's not good. It's not bad. It just is. And all of our life is connected to that principle. And this is tough to hear. We have to say to ourselves, where I am today is a direct result of decisions I have made in my past. And where I will be tomorrow or in my future is a direct result of things I did yesterday and things I'm doing today. There is a relationship between our current irresponsibility and then what we can expect to come in the days ahead, the weeks ahead, the months, the years ahead. Now, don't miss this next statement. This is so important, especially for those of us who maybe have been in church or in and out through our lives and we've heard different things. Don't miss this. It is so important. Listen to what he does not say in this. He doesn't say, don't fool yourself. God's judgment can't be mocked. You harvest what you plant unless you ask forgiveness and are really sorry. He did not say that. Did you hear it? Forgiveness we can have. Yes, always. Ask forgiveness. God forgives. But that doesn't erase the seed we put in the ground. Yeah, I think sometimes we tie that forgiveness with the erasing of the consequences. He er- we can be completely forgiven. He erases the sin. To deal with the consequences. Exactly. He erases the sin, but he does not go back behind you and pick up all of those seeds that you have already placed in the ground. He doesn't do that. He doesn't say... You will harvest what you plant unless you get involved in church. He doesn't say that. Um, this is what we run into now in our lives. We hear this, but, but I'm, I'm doing my best now. I'm doing my best. And this is still happening. This, this, it's still going wrong. I'm still, I, I, my life still sucks, but I've been planting all the right seeds now. And we have to say, okay, okay, you're doing your best now, now. But that doesn't erase the five years of planting that happened before this. You're planting the right things now, but what's happening right now, though, is you're harvesting from those seeds you have already planted months, weeks, or years earlier. It leads people to say, well, God, God must not love me if, I'm, if that's happening. But you couldn't be more wrong because he loves you and he loves me so much that he gave us advanced notice on this principle a long time ago, thousands of years ago. And so he made this principle fairly predictable. You don't have to wonder what the future is going to be like because you're going to harvest in the future what you are planting today. You don't have to say, man, I hope my boat floats today. 
I, I hope it floats. I, I, you push your boat out in the water and you don't have to pause and say, God, will you allow this to float today? You don't have to do that. Because God is going to, if you follow the principle, it's just going to happen. If, you, if your boat meets the specifications of this law of physics, your boat will float every time. If it doesn't, every time it will sink. And in our lives, we don't have to guess. We, we don't have to guess. Every time, we will harvest what we plant. If we plant a rice seed... It'll be rice every time. If we plant a corn seed every single time, that stalk, that's going to be corn. It's not going to come up and grow a soybean. If we plant a soybean, we're going to get a soybean. Every single time, we will harvest what we plant. We don't have to guess what's coming up in the future. It's going to be what we planted Every single time. If you planted irresponsibility for five years before you began following Jesus, great. Now you are planting the right things. You're following Jesus. You're planting seeds of responsibility. Great. But the truth is right now you're still going to harvest those seeds you planted five years ago. And, you know, that's hardly, that's why this is so important because I don't know how many times we have people come to us and say, you know, ever since I started going to church, it seems like yeah. everything in my life is just blowing up. Mm-hmm. And when you're in that time of harvesting those seeds, and it, it is tough. Yeah. It, it's tough. And you can be doing everything right then, but you're still harvesting there was, you know, the consequences. Of yeah, and those seeds are—it's they are going to grow. They don't—they—they're going to grow, and, and we can't wish our way out of it. We can't hope our way out of it. And listen, this is so important. We can't even pray our way out of that harvest. The law of the harvest is there, and it works for us or it works against us. And God does not take that away. We can't even pray our way out of it. We can't serve our way out of it. We can't give our way out of it. It just is every time, all the time. The principle will work for you. Or if ignored, the principle will work against us. And you don't have to guess. It's predictable. You harvest what you plant. Now, we don't like this part. Now, that that was bad enough. But we don't like this next part. We're always going to harvest later, every time. We're going to harvest later. I mean, that's just how, it, just how it works. The law of the harvest, this is how the law functions. It's always later. We plant now. We harvest later. Not instantly. It's later. And later, that's why you can't give up Planting responsibility and the right things now. You can't give up because it, you will. It promises you, and it's accurate and it's true. You will plant the right things now. You will harvest that later. Don't give up. Don't stop planting the right things. It's why you can't give up because it's later. But because it's later, it's why we want to give up. It's why we want to give up doing the right things. 
I, I mean, we, have the, we feel like, well, I did the right things yesterday, and today still is horrible. Later is why we want to give up. I mean, you've planted, okay, you've planted the right seeds for a few days. Great, but now let's do it for a few weeks, months. Do it for years. Do it for years. Later is because, that, I mean, that's why we look at other people's lives and we say to ourselves, they're being irresponsible and their lives still look pretty good to me. Compared to what's happening to me, that looks great. And they're being irresponsible. And I'm planting the right things. Look, they're getting away with it. Why do I have to keep being so good and trying to do the right thing and be responsible and plant the right seeds? But later, it's why you can't give up. It's why you can't give up. It is why we begin to envy People who are being irresponsible. Because it's coming later. It's coming later for us. Guess what? It's coming later for them. Don't give up. It's always later. Yeah, it's not only later, but here's the thing. It's also greater. You know, when you when you think about whatever you're planting, whatever type of seed you're planting, this is a little branch off of soybean plant here, but the soybean seed is tiny in comparison to the plant, obviously. Yeah, and the number of seeds that it produces, that's just one So so you planted one little seed, it produced a huge plant compared to the seed, and a whole bunch more seeds. So it's greater, and we have some corn over here in the corner, I don't know if you can see it or not, but you plant this tiny corn seed, and it grows into this huge, huge corn stalk. Um, So Whatever we plant, and not, not only is lighter, but it's greater. Um, and this, this is the hard part. This is why we struggle so much with this, and it becomes emotional to us. And, and it's not, not fair. Uh, it's not a fair principle. Um, no, no matter if you sow responsibility or irresponsibility, you're going to harvest greater than whatever type seed that you sow. So, a person plants irresponsibility with with their money, say, and, and later on they're going to harvest a greater debt. Say it's with credit card, um, and you have this Mastercard, and you charge several thousand dollars, and you know what happens? It becomes your Mastercard. Um, and you have this debt that you're paying on for years and years, and it was in comparison. It, it, it was a small, small seed, uh, or, or maybe for you, it, it, it didn't work out like that, and, and maybe you were just really struggling, just struggling to get by, and you, you took money that you should have paid on, on bills, and you used it for for something that that was a luxury, and. And you would say, you know, I'm just struggling and I don't deserve this. And I would say, maybe, maybe you're right. I don't know. It's not fair. And I would say, yeah, you're probably right. It's not fair. But, but the principle, it, see, it's not picking and, and choosing. It's not skipping over some people and laying it on extra thick for others. It, it, the principle, it doesn't know your name. It, it just is. And... It works for you or against you, but here's the deal. It's, it's always going to work later and greater. Um, and that's, that's just the way that life is, right? 
Um, let's say that, just to give an example, that, that you're leaving the parking lot of a store like one night and, and you're robbed at gunpoint. It takes the person about five minutes to take your wallet and get the stuff out of your car, and the police run them down about 25 minutes later and catch them. He goes before a judge, and he is beyond a shadow of a doubt. He's guilty. And the judge says, okay, now I took this guy about 25 minutes or 30 minutes to commit the crime here. Uh, let's give him 30 minutes in jail, one for one. And you're like, hold on, wait, what? No, no. Joe's like, okay, we're going to be tough. We're going to be tough on this guy. Let's double it. He can spend one hour in jail. And you're like, what in the world? No, no. Okay. If he spends a whole day, that's 50 times worse. You're saying, no. How about years and years, right? You're telling me that, that you want to punish a 30-minute crime for 10 or 15 years. And you're like, yeah, yeah, sure do. See, even you know that you harvest greater and later, and we know this principle, but we, we don't want to apply it to our irresponsibility in life it, it, because it, it's hard. Just to be plain, it's hard. And don't expect it to be fair. Don't expect it to even be just. Just expect it to be. It, it's going to be. It's going to show up. And in the process of harvesting these seeds that you that you planted of, of irresponsibility, don't don't blame God. Um, God would say, "Hey, I, I told you, I, I warned you, um, I, I gave you this principle, I laid it out for you, and it's going to work for you or against you. It, it, you know, it's it's your choice. See, your boat's going to float every time. I didn't I didn't decide that. I just I." I created the law. Whether you believe it or not, whether you believe in me, God would say, it's, it's going to work. Or it's going to work later and greater. Every time. So here's our step this week. This is what we're asking you to do. If you find your place in life, where you are in life right now, and you don't like it, chances are you have planted and harvested your way into that position. Now, sometimes it's obvious. Sometimes it's just obvious. If, if someone has purchased and purchased and purchased their way into debt and they have saved no money and they've given no money and they're drowning financially, not able to pay their bills, even I can figure that one out. As slow as I am, it's obvious they've planted their way into that position. But not everything's that obvious. And so for you, you may be saying, mine's not so obvious. So... Here are a couple things that you can do for your life as a step this week. Last week we talked about a pie chart. We said in this circle, that represents all the chaos that is in your life. All the chaos we're just going to pretend is in that circle. And so we have to ask a question. If I don't like where I am in life, and if I'm going to begin planting my way into a better future... Here's what I have to find out. What is my slice of that pie? What am I responsible for? What is my responsibility in my life, in my family, at work, wherever? What is my personal responsibility? It won't be the whole pie. It's going to be some of it. For some of us, it may be a lot of it. But what is your slice? And say, that is my slice. If you don't like what's happening, 
in the lives of your children, then you have to ask yourself, what is my slice of responsibility in that? I mean, did I come home from work? Was I exhausted? And so I just checked out emotionally from my children because I was tired from work. What was my responsibility and what's happening now? What is my slice of the pie? Maybe you're saying, I, I don't like what was happening in my marriage. And so if you, have, if you look and you say, okay, not all of this is my fault. Yes, he, he worked too much and, and, he, and he focused on his job and not us. But what part did I have any responsibility there? Maybe you look at yourself and you say, okay, well, maybe uh, this may not be you. But for some of us, maybe when the kids were born, maybe... Maybe, yes, I poured all of my energy and my emotions into the kids, and I placed my kids in a priority level above everything else, above my marriage, above everything. So maybe, maybe I, it's not all my fault, this whole circle of chaos, that I have some responsibility there. What part, and I'm just saying, we have to ask ourselves, what part is our responsibility? Maybe you find yourself in... in time after time in horrible relationships and, and maybe pe the, the people in your life they keep making horrible stupid stupid destructive decisions and you find yourself back in the same place but then you have to ask yourself in the circle of chaos do I have some responsibility and maybe you have identified some and you say you know what I agreed to every one of those relationships I, I said yes and I saw the red flags. I knew that there were some things there, but I thought I could change them. And I said, yes, anyway, I had the red flags. And I still said, yes, what is my area of responsibility? And we have to do this. We have to quit making excuses and go back to our piece of the pie. And in that area where we are responsible, we're not responsible for everything, but the area where we are responsible, we have to start planting new seeds, new right seeds. We have to start carrying our load. The only way to leverage this principle is for us to first own our slice of the pie, to take responsibility, and then we go plant new seeds in that area where we are responsible. We have to say, I have been irresponsible, and now I'm harvesting what I planted. But the harvest comes later, right? And it comes greater. But I own it. I may not deserve all that stuff that happened, but it, the principle says it, it's later and it's greater. You say, I, I don't deserve to have my license taken away, my driver's license taken away. I don't deserve that. But then well, we have to admit, but okay, I was breaking the law. And it's later and it's greater. So we have to own our slice of the pie. I am responsible for this part. Not all of it, but I am responsible for this. And then here's the second thing. I've already mentioned it. We have to then begin doing all the things that we should have been doing all along. And planting the right seeds, 
It's all those things we should have been doing all along. Now, here's the later greater part. Listen to this. Paul ends this discussion with this verse, verse verse 9. He said, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. Don't get tired of planting the right seeds, he says. For just at the right time, we will reap a harvest. It's later and greater, a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. And this is where it works to your advantage. Just like it will work against us if we ignore it. It works for you if you pay attention to it. It will work for you in a big way, in a huge way, because it will be greater. You will harvest greater. Don't give up planting the right things. So financially, let's say you, you, you struggled. And so now you start doing what you should have been doing all along following God's guidelines in Scripture of saving and giving and then cutting back your lifestyle where, I mean, you may have to cut the dish network, direct TV. I I don't know, but you cut back your life to live within those means and you start saving and you start giving and the Bible says you will benefit because you're planting the right seeds and it will be later and it will be greater. Now, Andy reminds us of this. Okay. For those of you who are 25 years old or younger in the room today, let me tell you what the people 45 years old and older are thinking right now. They are thinking, man, mm -mm -mm. I wish I would have heard that when I was 25. What a difference. Okay, if you're 25 and younger, 25 and younger, here's the truth. They did hear that. (laughs) They did hear that in some way. I heard that before I was 25 years old. I heard it. And I thought, and so did they, we thought we were getting away with something that we just kind of slipped through the cracks and somehow we slipped by but it's later and it's greater and first it became a lifestyle then it became a habit and then suddenly we have planted irresponsibility for years but here's the good news Just as this principle works against us, it may have now come and bit us in the backside, but it's going to be there also to reward you if you start now planting responsibility now. It is not too late. It is not too late. This will work in your marriage, if you begin to plant the right things now, the future is better. It will work in your marriage. It will work at school, students. I mean, if you want to pass, you got to plant the seeds of study. You can't show up on test day and say, God, help me, help me float. Help this boat float. 
It's going to work at home. It's going to work in your relationships. It's going to work every single time. Plant those seeds and they will be harvested later and greater. So here's the question we have to ask as we end today before I pray. Am I taking responsibility? It's my life. It's my family. Am I taking responsibility for real? My life, my family, am I taking responsibility for real? Let's pray. God, this has been tough. Some of us this morning are hurting, just hurting. And we're hurting over the greater harvest, greater, so much greater than we ever anticipated. A harvest of irresponsibility that we planted some time ago. But God, I am so thankful that your love for us is constant. Even when we're harvesting tough and difficult things that we planted at an earlier time in our lives, your love for us, God, does not change. It does not diminish. It does not go away. Oh, I'm so thankful. And God, we're helping you. We're, we're asking you, God, to help us. Please help us. Take responsibility for our slice of the pie. God, we're asking you, please help us in that area where we do have responsibility and we are taking new responsibility. God, help us to know what we should have already been doing for a long time so that now we can begin planting those right things. God, help us to not give up. Because this law, no matter how bad things are today, our future with you can be amazing if we will simply now begin planting the right things which we will harvest later. But God, it will be greater. God, as we close this prayer, we ask you to give us the wisdom to know what to do with what we have heard today. And God, will you please give us the courage to do it. And we can only pray these things because of what you, Jesus, have done for us as you died on the cross to pay the price for us of our sin. And God, we don't have to pay the eternal price of that sin. You paid that for us. And we may have to live through some earthly consequences, but you took away the sting of death eternally if we just trust you. Because you walked out of that tomb three days after you went into it, you walked out alive, and now we can follow you, our Savior, into a new life. It is in your name that we pray, Jesus. Amen.